Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is great to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here as we wrap up this series we've been in. This is week five. We've been talking about the five essentials that God uses to grow faith. We call it faithful, fueling faith in a world on empty. So these last five weeks, we've been talking about these things that God uses over and over. If you ever hear somebody's faith story, their testimony of how God grew their faith, you're going to see either all five or a bunch of the five represented. Every faith story we give, we're given in Scripture contains these five, or at least some of, some of those five. And so we just see these principles being used over and over and over, and I hope it's been an encouragement to you. And today we're going to wrap that up. Let me do a quick recap, though, just so you can kind of like, okay, refresh your memory. If you missed any of these weeks, we have all the messages archived on our website. Go check them out if you missed, okay? Week one, we talked about that God uses providential relationships. Week two, we talked about practical teaching. Week three, we talked about private disciplines, and that was the week that I gave the 30-day challenge, and if you're doing the 30-day challenge, keep it up. Even if you've got some bad days, you're like, well, I kind of dropped the ball. That's okay. Pick it up. Keep going, all right? Last week, we talked about personal ministry, and then this week, we're going to pick up number five, wrap it all up with pivotal circumstances pivotal circumstances here's what i mean by a pivotal circumstance it's a situation that changes your life okay some of you may be in the middle of a pivotal circumstance right now some area of your life that's radically redefining your life and it might be something as big as meeting the love of your life getting married the birth of a child Maybe it's a mission trip or getting involved in a ministry, and it just blows your mind. It changes the way you think about life, your relationship with God, your relationship with how you relate to other people. It just really shakes things up. God does it this way. Now, let me just say this. That maybe one of the most common ways in which pivotal circumstances come is not always the glorifying of a wonderful victory. Sometimes it comes through loss. Sometimes it comes through the loss of a loved one. Sometimes it comes through the loss of a dream or heartbreak. It, it comes through somebody betraying you. Sometimes it comes through a divorce or somebody who's not been faithful. Sometimes it comes through um, the, uh, the, the circumstance in your life with maybe a loved one, a family member, even a child, or a spouse that has gotten sicker and sicker and sicker, and you're the one who's walking down that path with them, and it is very difficult and has been very challenging to your faith. But be that as it may, whatever it is, it has been used by God to either introduce you to him, to God, or reintroduce you to him after a season of time where you've been away from God, and you kind of felt like he's irrelevant, this really has nothing to do with me, I don't know where God really fits into my life right now, but now it's radically changed. 
And I've seen people go through these kinds of hard times, these pivotal circumstances, and um, what was once religion for them, oh, that's just religion, which is really good for you religious people out there, but really not for me. That might have been where you were or somebody that you know. But after they go through this, what was once religion now becomes a lifeline with God. There's somebody, and maybe you've seen this happen, who hardly even mentions God's name, hardly ever talks about God, unless it was a cuss word, right? <laughs> but now that's all they want to talk about. Like it's just absolutely infiltrated every part of their life. And people that had, had never bowed a knee to God find themselves on their knees crying out to God in an intimacy and a closeness and a faith that they had never had before. And many times that comes through. God uses painful circumstances to bring us to those places. Uh, author and really wonderful thinker, C.S. Lewis, writes about this in The Problem of Pain, his book. He says this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Now, I know if you're a skeptic here today, and, and some of you may be, you're watching this online, you're a little skeptical of all this, you may be saying, well, isn't this convenient? Isn't this nice for you Christians to kind of let God off the hook? I mean, if he's supposed to be all powerful and all loving, then why do these bad things keep happening to good people? And I hear you. I hear where you're coming from, and I understand that, that you're probably coming from a place of pain and frustration in your life. But let me just say, God has always, as long as there's been a record of faith on this planet, has always used pain and suffering to be a part of the process of growing faith in his people. He always has. He's used it just as we use resistance to grow muscles. He's growing spiritual muscles, that there is resistance that is required in order for you to gain the kind of faith that he needs you to have to, to live the kind of life that he has created you to live. And it's difficult. A process, that, that, that process can be difficult, but the end result can be amazing. Now today, we're going to be looking at something in Jesus that may shock you. Okay, as a matter of fact, I want to share with you a statement from uh, about what we're going to look at today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to kind of give you a big aha up front, hopefully a big takeaway from what we're going to look at, this historical account moment from the life of Jesus today. And you may read this and say, well, I'm not sure I even believe that. I'm not sure I agree with that. But let's take a look at it together. Sometimes Jesus not only allows pain, but even creates painful circumstances to grow our faith. Now, could that be right? Are you, are you, are you serious? This doesn't seem to be a very popular approach to life, but I think as we're going to see today, it actually meshes with the reality that many of us live with every single day. We're going to take a look today in the Gospel of John chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Let me give you a little context for that before we dive in. One of Jesus' dearest friends, Lazarus, is sick. And I mean not just a little bit sick, he's on death's door. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, have written to Jesus to let him know so that he will do something. This is how our story opens, this historical moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. Let's take a look at that together. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. 
So the sisters sent word to Jesus. They write him a little letter, a little note, and here's what the note said. Lord, the one you, let's say it together, the one you love is sick. This isn't just another person. This isn't just some random person in the crowd. This is one of your closest, dearest friends. And it, Jesus probably has spent a lot of time with this family, spent, spent the night in their house, had dinners with them. He, he knew them very well. And they were reaching out to him to say, we are letting you know so you will do something, Jesus. This wasn't just another person, as I said. In verse 4, it goes on to say, and when he heard this, Jesus said, this, let's say it together, this sickness will not end in death, okay? No, it's for God's glory. Okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's just look at this for a second. Jesus is connecting sickness Dark, horrible, painful, suffering with God's glory right here, okay? It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be, let's say it together, may be glorified through it. Okay, let's just take a second to absorb what Jesus just said to the disciples, okay? Because you may be sitting there saying, wait a minute, Will, I thought God got glory through victories. He does. But what Jesus is doing right here is he's opening up a whole new category that nobody wanted him to open up, okay? A whole new category of ways in which God gets glory. In other words, Jesus is saying God also, and I would even contend most of the time, chooses to get glory through pain, suffering, and struggle, to which we say, no, thank you, Jesus, I don't want you to get glory in my life from those things. Who would sign up for that? Nobody. Pain, suffering, and struggle. No way. I don't want to sign up for that. I want to sign up for the success story glory. You know, like that's the winning touchdown glory. I give glory to Jesus for what cool thing just happened in my life. Young billionaire club. I want to be the, you know, Christian Elon Musk. That, that's what I'd like to, I'd like to be that guy, right? And I'll give God all the glory for it. Like, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That's what we want. But Jesus is saying, many times, that's not how God is going to choose to do it in your life and in mine. Jesus shows us that sometimes God uses just the opposite to grow our faith. And here is why, ladies and gentlemen, you may want to really think about this next statement and jot it down. To Jesus, strong faith is more important than the vehicle that gets us there. Now just think about that for a second. This is very unpopular, right? This is what Jesus is helping us to understand. That doesn't matter the vehicle, whether it is tragedy or victory. God is going to use both in your life and in mine to get glory and to grow our faith. But here's the beautiful thing. As we trust God, even through tragedy, that tragedy can be turned into victory if we, we go that way. We, we go through that dark valley with Him and we trust Him through the middle of it. It can be powerful and life-changing. Now, going back to our story, John chapter 11 Starting with verse 5 now. Jesus here 
it says that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. In other words, he reciprocated that love. They didn't just love him, he loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, what? Packed up his stuff and said, all right, guys, let's go. We got, we got a brother in trouble. We're gonna go run over there as quick as we can and fix this situation. No, he does something so counterintuitive, right? So when he heard about Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was, let's say it together, two more days. Say what? Jesus did what? He stayed two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Okay. He did just the opposite of what we think that he would do, what we would expect him to do. And some of you are in a situation right now that is exactly like where Mary and Martha was at this point in the story. They're over in Bethany. By the way, a two-year, a two-year, two-day journey on foot, all right? So there was two days for the message to get to Jesus, and then there would be two more days to get back, but he waits two more days. This is almost a week later when he finally says, okay, let's head on over, all right? And this is amazing because he knows those women are like, wringing their hands in prayer and like, God, please do something, and I bet you are there too. I bet there's some area of your life where you have been praying and praying and praying and you have not seen the answer that you wanted. And it is just praying and waiting and more painful waiting. And God, I want you to see today is beginning to use it all, okay? And here is the next part. That we're told in the story. It says, so then he told them plainly, and he's talking to the disciples, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am, let's say it together, I am glad, wait a minute, you're glad that he's dead, Jesus? I was not there. I'm, I'm glad that I wasn't there. I'm glad that this thing has played out like it is. What, why, why, Jesus? What, what, what is the point here? He goes on to say, I was not there so that you may believe. Let's say it together. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Believe. Let me, let me give you the definition that Jesus is using for believe here. This believe, the way Jesus is using it is, is much broader and much heavier than the way we use. We just believe in things all the time. But Jesus is talking about a belief that is a complete trust a complete faith, a complete confidence. This is the kind of belief, ladies and gentlemen, you can't believe like this and stay the same. This kind of belief will change you from the inside out. You will live different. You will love people different. You will speak different. You will feel different. Your soul will be transformed by this kind of belief that happens on the deepest part of who you are. And Jesus is saying, I'm glad this all happened because it's only this kind of stuff that will, 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 will touch you at the deepest part of who you are as a human being that will help you to become transformed into the image of the Son of God. It will only think that God's going to be able to use to grow your faith 
And I love it. Thomas speaks up. He's kind of a voice box of reason and conscience for the rest of the 12 disciples. In verse 16, we're told that then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, Thomas has gotten a bad rap. Later in the gospel, he's the one who doubts after Jesus resurrects. He's like, I have to touch his hands and his side and I've got to see some evidence. But once he's, once he's made up his mind, once he's decided, this guy is all in. He is fully and completely committed. And that's what happens here. Now, just so you know, I did not include this earlier. At the end of chapter 10 in the Gospel of John, we're told that the last time that Jesus and the, uh, the um, disciples were in the Judean area, they tried to kill him. They were going to stone him with actual pickup rocks, hit him till he's dead, okay? That's what they wanted to do. Jesus and the disciples leave and because it wasn't time for him to give his life. And so they know, we go back, those same people could, you know, reconvene and come in after us and, and, and make, kill Jesus and us too. But Thomas is saying, that's okay. I, 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 and this is what I think is so remarkable about what, what Thomas is teaching us right here. And I hope that your heart longs for this kind of, um, this kind of faith, all right? It's like Thomas is saying, I'd rather be with Jesus in a crisis than we without Jesus, without a crisis. And let me just tell you, again, this is beautiful faith. This is what faith looks like. And for many of us, our lack of growing of our faith is because we're unwilling to follow Jesus into certain crises. He's saying, I need you to trust me, and I'm gonna help lead you through this. And I'm gonna grow your faith in the, in the meantime. But you gotta trust me. You have to believe Complete trust, faith, and confidence. It's the kind of faith that he's trying to grow in all of us. This is what it looks like. Now, Jesus and the disciples are starting to approach Bethany. They're, they're coming into the outskirts of the town now. This is verse 17 of chapter 11, and this is what it's telling us. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Lazarus got real sick, died, they buried him, they had the funeral, and then like four, three to four days later, Jesus shows up, to which I think a lot of the townspeople are scratching their heads saying, Jesus, I think your divine timing is off a little bit right here. You should have come last week. It would have been a lot more helpful, right? But Jesus, what he has in store, what he has planned, nobody anticipated, no one expected what, what God was going to do next. But then Martha, Mary was, you know, the two sisters, uh, Mary stayed at home. I don't think she thought there was really anything that she had to say to Jesus. She was just like, I'm staying here. She, you know, it's too late. I, he's already gone. Martha, I think she was like, she got her little self out in the street and marched down there and said, I'm going to give Jesus a piece of my mind. She was upset. She was rightfully so frustrated. She saw her circumstance and thought, God should have done something here, all right? And I'm gonna hold him accountable. The, 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 the version that I have, right, the Jesus, I'm gonna go and hold him accountable. And this is what happened. She went out to meet him. So she comes out to the outskirts. It's, it's like he didn't even make it into town yet. She goes all the way out to where he is as he's coming into the outskirts of town, meet him. Mary stayed at home, um, 
Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, said, said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think she'd been waiting like several days to say this to Jesus, okay? If you had been here, and maybe you are sitting here and you feel the same way about a circumstance you're going through in your life right now. You've said something like that before. I have said something like that in a prayer before. God, if you had been here, if you had been, Lord, if you had been here, and what's implied here is if your divine intervention would have, you know, like been injected into this situation, you had done a miracle, really is what she's asking for. If you had showed up and done a miracle, this thing would have turned out very differently. Maybe you've said that before. God, if you had shown up, if you had been here, maybe this marriage would have turned out really different. These kids, Lord, if you'd been here, if you had done a miracle, this, our, our, our finances wouldn't be in the shambles that they are today. This business would have made it or would have done much better. My career would be better. This mess that we're in today, the circumstance that we're going through today would have radically changed if you had been here and you had interjected your divine inspiration, your divine power, and you had done a miracle and made all things work out the way I think they should. Then your life would have turned out very differently. But the fact is, he didn't. Why? Can you relate to Martha right here? I bet everybody here on some level can relate. Yes, I've been there. I'm there right now. And if I can be just so bold, so honest, I have an area in my life right now, somebody that I love dearly, and I'm praying for them all the time, and I have yet to see what I'm praying for. I know that God is not done yet. It's hard. And Martha was in that same place emotionally, and maybe you've been there too. And she was tempted to give up hope, give up faith, give up trust and confidence in Jesus because of the painfulness of her circumstance. Can you relate? I bet you're going through something like that right now. Where the, 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 the circumstances are just so hard. It's just like, I want to have faith, but it's just so hard right now. Let me ask you to think about an analogy with me. You ever been to a physical therapist? Anybody here been to a physical therapist? All right, I'm not about to knock on physical therapists, but that is not fun, is it? If you've ever been to a physical therapist, I have been a couple of times to rehab injuries that I brought upon myself in my body. But what does a physical therapist do? They're gonna help rebuild strength and mobility and the limb that you have injured, whatever it is that you've injured in your body, but make no mistake about it, what they're about to make you do is going to hurt, okay? This is not gonna be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But the fact is, you will not get healing. You will not get wholeness. You won't get that mobility back. You won't get the strength back unless you go through the pain. This is what we know. This is a fact, medically speaking. You can't get there. There is no glory of being fully restored unless you go through the pain. God does this for us physically. He does it for us spiritually. The same dynamic is at, is at play. God gets glory through pain. You get restored. Maybe you even get to a version of you you've never known about yourself. You didn't even know you were capable of, but it is only 
possible through pain, through suffering, through trusting God, through really hard, difficult, inexplicable times of your life. And me too. The conversation continues between Jesus and Martha. She says this in verse 22. She says, but I, let's say this together, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She's saying, I know. I cognitively know this. You might be sitting there saying, Will, all this stuff you're saying, I know this. I have heard this sermon before. I know this information, all right? That's kind of what she's saying, right? She says this, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I, let's say it together, I I know. The Jews back then, they believed there was going to be a massive resurrection at the end when God comes for his people. He said, I know he will rise again at the resurrection in the last day. And that's what she's talking about. But what Jesus is trying to help prepare her mind and heart to understand is the true resurrection, the salvation of God for, his, for all people is standing right in front of you. <laughs> I'm here. He goes on to say this. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see, Jesus didn't use no. He's talking about believe. Do you completely trust? Do you completely have faith? Do you completely have confidence in me? I'm not just asking you, do you agree with me? Do you understand this information? It's more than just knowing the information. It is putting all your trust in it. Do you trust? Do you rely upon me? And here's a really good indicator whether or not you're actually believing. Do you derive comfort from it? Does it bring peace to your heart? Joy in times where people are like, I don't know how she is joyful. I don't know how he is joyful. I don't know how they're making it through this time. But God, because of the connection, trusting in him, you draw comfort from it. In other words, Jesus is saying, do you have faith in me? Do you have faith in me? Not just the idea of me, but actually trusting me and what I'm saying, what I'm teaching. Do you believe it? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. Are you willing to trust me even when you don't know everything you see with your eyes, all your circumstance contradicts God's goodness in this moment? It's hard. It is painful. And Jesus is saying, and in that moment, I, you, it is so important that you understand that I am the resurrection and the life. That I am your way through. I am your shepherd. And that when you have me, you have everything you need. It's what David understood in the 23rd song. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Like, I finally get it, God. When I have you, I have, literally have everything I need. And until we get to that place, we're willing to throw the towel, like, fully, I'm all in. God, I'm, I'm like, yours. This is so important. And Jesus, continue, he challenges her with this, and I love her response right here. She says, yes, Lord, she re replied. I, let's say it together, I Believe. It's the first time she uses the word Jesus has been using the whole conversation. She stops saying, I know. She's saying, I believe. I finally am willing to put all my trust, complete faith, and confidence in you, 
that you are the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the Savior of the world, Son of the living God. You're Him. You're it. You're everything the human soul has longed for. We try to fill it with stuff and relationships and sex and and, and accomplishment and accolades and shiny new things. And like, if I just had that, I would be satisfied and this and more, more and more and more and more and more. He's like, you're going down the wrong path. That will never satisfy. That will never nourish your soul. It's me that you're looking for. And she gets it. The son of God who has come into the world, the one we have been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and you're here. Praise God. Praise God. And you're, you're bringing your glory through the most painful moment of my life. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. I believe that even though you didn't answer my prayer the way that I wanted, she tells, she's essentially telling him, I trust you regardless of my circumstances. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing to say that? Here's, here's what most people are willing to say. Yes, Jesus, I have faith that you can do something about my circumstances, but here's the big challenge, ladies and gentlemen. But will you have faith even if he doesn't do it the way you want him to? Will you continue to have faith? Because Jesus is teaching this is what God chooses to do most in our lives. And for many people, they live angry, bitter, frustrated, jaded, cynical lives towards God and other people because they feel like God owes them something and other people do too. And Jesus is here showing you that I can get glory even through pain and suffering, but you have to trust me. You have to believe with all your heart. And this kind of belief doesn't leave you the same. It changes you. It is radical. And it is powerful. Let your circumstances today draw you closer to God. Don't let it become a wedge that pushes you further away. And this is ultimately the crossroads that many of us find ourselves today. God's saying this right now in your life could be a pivotal circumstance moment. The ball is in your court. What will you do? What will you decide? Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Lord, I would rather you grow my faith than soften my circumstances. Woo! That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is like you doing the PR today, spiritually. For some of you, like praying a prayer like that and like honestly meaning it is scary, challenging, and will stretch and grow your faith like probably little else you have prayed for in the last year, all right? It is huge. God, I'd rather you grow my faith. I'm gonna trust you no matter what, even if you choose not to soften my circumstances, even if they get worse, will you trust him then? I completely trust you to get me through this, whatever this is. I place my faith, my belief, complete trust, faith, confidence in you today and for some people this might be like you've been walking with Jesus for decades and decades and it's just like I need to renew and refresh that commitment 
to follow him no matter what. Others of you, the first step in placing faith completely in him is beginning a relationship with Jesus. It's simply looking at your life saying, I know about God, but I don't really know him. I know up here, but I don't really believe. I don't really have faith in him. And today should be the day where you redefine the relationship between you and God. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come in and forgive all my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and to become the Lord of my life starting right here, right now. You can leave here a new creation in Christ. If you would, let's bow together in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you speak into one of the hardest, most sensitive, difficult areas we will ever face in our life, circumstances that are painful and that, are, that create suffering in our heart and struggle, we struggle through them. Lord Jesus, right now, all across this room, I pray that you would, right now, if you, you have the courage with your current circumstances, you would be willing to say, Lord, right now, I want you to grow my faith more than I want you to soften my circumstances. Would you have the courage, the faith, nobody looking around, all eyes closed, I just want to pray for you right now. Would you raise your hand if you're asking God, would you grow my faith rather than soften my circumstances? God bless you guys. Hands all across the floor, in the balcony. Thank you, God. I pray that every hand going up and maybe even a few that didn't go up, but their hearts are right there with you. God, I pray that they, this would be a commitment time, driving a stake down in this moment in time to say this circumstance, this situation right now, God is not going to be a wedge that drives me away from you, but it is going to drive me closer to you. I'm choosing that. I'm deciding. I'm believing that right now. I'm giving you what you asked for, Jesus. Complete trust faith, confidence. Would you tell him, I trust you. I trust you to get me through this right now, Jesus. Get me through this season. Get me through this time. Get me through this heartache, through this darkness. Even though we, we go through the darkest valley, we fear no evil because the Lord is with us. You may lower your hands right now. For those who can hear my voice online in the room, and you know God is prompting your heart, He is nudging your heart, today is the day you need to make a commitment to Him. You need to give your life to Him. It's not me saying it, it's the Lord clearly is making this super clear to you. Would you just right now, right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. And I am trusting right now that when you died on the cross, you resurrected from the dead, that was to cover and remove the penalty of the sins of all people who place faith in you. And today, I'm becoming one of those people. I'm putting all my faith in you for the forgiveness of my sins. Would you tell him that? And I'm asking you to be the Lord, the leader of my life, starting right here, right now. Forgive my sin and be the Lord of my life. If you were doing that for the first time, would you just, as a symbol of your faith right now, just shoot your hand up. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody here giving it all over to Jesus for the first time, trusting him for salvation. God bless you. Ma'am, right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm giving it all over to Jesus. Right back over here. I see you, sir. 
right up there on the right wall. I see you, buddy, right up here in the balcony and right on the back row right there. God bless you. Praise God for your heart, transformed heart today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to us, for blessing the proclamation of your word. Only you could do that, that you made this moment, this service, a pivotal circumstance for many people in this room, both those who are coming to faith for the first time and those who are already believers, followers, disciples, but it's time for them to take that next step of faith with you and to trust you with what they're facing. We pray it all in the amazing name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the cooler temperatures. We'll see you back next Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.